EGS. Just as an update, Master Will Lee, Grammarian Inquisitor, Lord Charcuterie, and Keeper of Lengthy Records, has an important legal engagement pertaining to the Galactic Constitution that he's working on, causing a slight but necessary delay on Matilda Mondays. However, as you may have noticed, May the 4th be with us all. Indeed. I wonder if the moment may be upon us. And so to celebrate this crucial Monday, let's kick it off another way by once again joining Lady Tano and the Martez sisters to wrap up the final episode in Ahsoka's walkabout arc. So without further ado, Lady Tano, what should we do? Come on! Star Wars, this is on Star Wars, specifically Clone Wars, Season 7. Star Wars, this is on Star Wars, specifically Clone Wars, Episode 8. Disguise uncovered! Former Padawan Ahsoka Tano and the Martez sisters remain confined in Ma Grimm's clutches. But not for long. Ahsoka bravely deceives the Pikes into releasing the Wayward Sisters, willing to take any potential consequences herself alone. Little does she know, Rafa wants none of her charity and plans to swoop in for a daring rescue to even the score. Master Kalyan and Padawan Sarah can only watch in trepidation as the Martez sisters discover Ahsoka's secret identity. What will the sisters do with this newfound intel? Tune in to find out on this week's episode. Welcome, ravenous streamers and culture consumers aboard Bohemian Geek Studies Millennium Fandom. I'm Padawan Learner, Sarah O'Connor, Queen of Queries, Lady of Literature, and Defender of Droids. Pew pew! Pew pew! And I'm Ma- Jedi Master Colleen McMillan, Lady of Loggers, Gryffindor Prefect, and Rebel Scum Collaborator, with our always quick disclaimer that there's still much both Sarah and I desire to learn about Star Wars to earn the ranks we carry. As a friendly reminder, we will be discussing spoilers and using some adult content-y language. So if you haven't watched episode 8 yet, or the idea of Marg Krim pulling a Sansa and revealing Ahsoka's true identity concerns you, <laughs> come back after you've rewatched Game of Thrones in its entirety twice. <laughs> so without further ado, let's punch it, Colleen! Yahoo! <laughs> Yes. All right, listeners, let's hop into the Millennium Fandom for our last Ahsoka's Walkabout episode recap. Our opening card this week, you can change who you are, but you cannot run from yourself. Thanks, Yoda. And it is fantastic to wonder, is this going to be the last we see of the Martez sisters? I mean, yo, we don't know. Turn on new episodes and we bet they'll glow. To the extreme, we're really digging these vandals, <laughs> but Rafa first has to really sell her scandalous character arc by cautioning her sister early on in the episode that Ahsoka is her friend, but quote, a friend today, but what about tomorrow? Darn right. Gotta be watching out for your backs. So Ahsoka, noticing this rift that she's caused between the sisters, devises a plan for them to escape. 
She lies to Mark Grimm, telling him that the sisters know where the spice is hidden. Hmm. Oh my. And she says, you know, just like, let him go find it. Let him go. Yeah. Don't bring it back. No big deal. Yeah. Just let him go. They'll totally come back with these uh, spices. Come back For with the sure. Spice. <laughs> yep. She, she'll stay behind though. So she can collect her cut from the shipment. Not to be selfless or anything. No, definitely not. No. Zero chance of that happening. She's a smuggler. So Rafa, smartly, she can tell exactly what Ahsoka's up to because Ahsoka says, quote, trust me. But Trace can't understand why Ahsoka would threaten their family when she knows they're dead. <laughs> and I really love this because finally, 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 Rafa and Ahsoka have an understanding that they can finally speak the same language. Mm -hmm. And Trace, oh, sweet Trace, don't ever change except maybe up those street smarts just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so while Ahsoka escapes her cell to cause some mayhem, Rafa and Trace actually adorably f fly back to Kessel to steal spice from the pikes and re-gift it. <laughs> and they, yeah, you know, that's adorable. And they run into some fastidious tong spice workers and demand they load the spice or someone will speak to their manager. And I also really love this because it shows kind of like just with the Jedi, whether or not you have the force to use mind sense or uh, in Harry Potter, the imperious curse, humans have the possibility to be influential AF. Mm -hmm. But here's the problem. Never ask to speak to the manager because sometimes managers show up. Mm -hmm. What's nice, though, is these sisters prove that they're scrappy fighters and manage to escape with some of that sweet, sweet spice. Yep, they got that spice. They're coming back. They're going to make Mark Krim eat his words. All right, so we're back in Obadiah. And Ahsoka overhears Mark Krim talking to a... <gasps> A holographic mall. Yes. Danger snack <laughs> is back, baby. Loving mm -hmm. it. Loving. He looks great in that hoodie. Like, yes. Yeah. And and I mean, maybe, maybe he'd look better without. We don't we don't know what his body situation is like <laughs> robotically wise. This the lower half. His upper half looks great. <laughs> He's been doing chest presses, like mm -hmm. mall looks real good. Underneath. Preparing to reunite with Kenobi, we're sure. <laughs> yes, obviously. Damn right. So Maul, in his little hologram form, he completely dresses down Mark Krim for being a terrible crime boss, then threatens him, you know, with Crimson Dawn. Which Just is a little bit of light threat yeah, threats. Yeah, it's fine. So once he's gone, Fife, the major domo guy, he's talking real big about how he would speak to Maul. And we're all like, mm -hmm. right. Sure, Jan. Yeah. Sure. Mm -hmm. You're totally going to talk to a fucking ex-Sith Lord like that. But they discover Ahsoka's escaped and they run out of the room. So then Ahsoka, sneaky, sneaky Ahsoka, stealth mode, she goes into the room to discover that Maul is on Mandalore. Bum, bum, bum. But of course... Being that it's Star Wars, she can't just get away scot-free. She is recaptured by the Pikes, who now know that she's a Jedi. Bum, bum, bum! And speaking of great timing, <laughs> Rafa just struts in with her sister, triumphantly returning. Mm -hmm. But 
they were not ready for the big reveal. Mar Krim spills the beans that Ahsoka is actually a Jedi, although he apparently didn't check his Twitter <laughs> status feed update to like realize that that status is now it's complicated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Rafa is shocked. Trace is angry, but ain't nobody got time for this right now. Ahsoka planted bombs, which go off at just the right moment. Just like Michael Blay is in the house about to transform the explosive action. Luckily, the plot point saves them and they're able to get back into that silver angel fleeing the planet. But who's that following them? Back on Coruscant, the sisters ask Ahsoka why she would leave the Order. Us too, right? And the internal music swells. And they tell her, like, we know that they believe she's a good example mm-hmm. <laughs> of what a Jedi should be. Yes. Us two, ladies. Us two. Yes. Bo-Katan arrives to whisk Ahsoka to Mandalore, but Ahsoka asks Trace if she can leave the mm-hmm. bike with them. Just in case. Mm-hmm. And Colleen, some of us aren't as cool as you being published oh, authors and all. So what's that literary device called? Like, what's the leaving the mm-hmm. bike with you just in case hook called? Because mm-hmm. we're going to see those bikes and those ladies yes. again, right? This, you could either call it foreshadowing, which would be the, the classic. classic. Like, we're pointing you towards what's probably going to happen next. Or you could call it Chekhov's. Chekhov's speeder bike. Ah, yeah. Like there we go. That's that's the word. This information that she's leaving the bike there. I mean, in television and in stories, no words are wasted. So there's a reason exactly. that they put this into the story. So if they if Ahsoka doesn't go back and see the Martez sisters, maybe not on Coruscant, maybe somewhere else they rendezvous. But if she never saw them again, this kind of Chekhov speeder bike wouldn't make much sense. Yeah. And as I reach that self-realization and maturation, why don't you hit us up with that theme? Mm -hmm. And you got it. Word perfect. Our theme this week is self-realization and maturation. So our title card for this episode says, no matter how much you think you've changed or want to change, the main core of your identity remains intact. And there have been extensive studies on when a person forms their internal identity It usually starts in childhood, but adolescence is typically when a person develops those core parts of themselves. Like, think about it. Rapid physical growth, like you getting boobs and stuff, sexual maturity, (laughs) all those freaking hormones flying around. Yep. Learning to form lasting friendships within a peer group, usually a clique of some sort. Jedi is like the ultimate clique in this galaxy. And then thinking about impending career choices all happen for the most part, in adolescence. And this all is happening to us so, right now. So pretty much be kind to kiddos, be kind to everyone, because you <laughs> don't want to raise a little mall now. Do you? Do you? That I don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put that in for a hard no. <laughs> the no category. For yep. our poor buddy mall, our poor little dude. So this is where we first meet Ahsoka. She's only 14 in the beginning when Yoda kind of taps her on the shoulder and is like, you're going to the show. Like, you're going to the big leagues. So we get to watch her grow up. Kind of like Snow mm-hmm. White, who, fun fact, was 14 mm-hmm. in the yeah. movie. <laughs> I really want to know how old freaking Prince Florian is, because mm, if he's not, like, 15 or 16, <laughs> that's 
you're gonna have a bad time it's a tough look back (laughs) but we digress but it's an important digression so throughout the series because the clone wars is about three years long we get to watch her grow from 14 to 17 and we get to experience her growing pains and how she develops her identity and this is what the walkabout journey is for self-realization growing up learning to move from the adolescent or child world into the adult world and Ahsoka had to grow up really quickly. She was basically drafted into a war she knew pretty much nothing about, just kind of like the whatever they would have taught her at the Jedi Academy. Uh, she had to come yep. to terms with leadership, losing people at such a young age, like 14 years old, and you're set into battle with troops behind you. Like That's a that lot. That is a lot for someone to have to deal with. And then she also had to struggle with that first crush, that first love. Oh, we hear that. I can relate to at least that. (laughs) Right? We all can relate to the fact that just because you like somebody doesn't mean you're going to end up together. Especially if it's someone you meet when you're like 15, 14, 14. 16. Like, that's probably not going to be your true love. I mean, maybe it could be. Some people have great love stories like that, but for a Jedi especially. Anakin and Padme, for example. Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) That relationship's not problematic at all. Talk about no freaking maturation, Anakin. And then also for her growth, especially in this arc, she found out how regular people felt about the Jedi. And she took that into consideration when she started forming all these new opinions. So without this journey with the Martez sisters, would Ahsoka have learned these difficult truths? Like, not just how she felt about the Jedi and them betraying her, basically, but she now knows what the galaxy thinks of them. Like, would she have yeah. learned how to stand on her own without going off on this mission with the sisters? I don't know. Probably, but it would have taken longer. And so for now, let's get into our next segment. The seven holocrons are repositories of knowledge. So to kick off this segment, looking at our first holocron, setting time location, since this episode is set directly after the last one in the exact same place, I mean, aka we jump from Obadiah, Obadiah, (laughs) back to Kessel again, back to Coruscant, what we really want to zero in on here is a cool callback to season four, episode eight, friends and enemies that Colleen flags. So Colleen, why don't you set us up? All for right. It? So back in season four, there was this plot where Obi-Wan fake died. And of course the Jedi council didn't tell Anakin about it. So that went well. Thanks. But from this episode, episode eight, friends and enemies, Obi-Wan is disguised as a mercenary. He and bounty hunter Cad Bane stopped off at the same gas refilling station that the Martez sisters utilize. And this is called the Arondia refueling station. It's a really fun callback. It's cool to know that all these interstellar gas stations are used by a lot of different people. Yeah. Like, this is where all the long haul truckers just go in and hanging out. I can see Han and Chewie hanging out there. And speaking of different people, looking at who's here, again, we're looking at our heroes, Ahsoka, Trace, and mm-hmm. Rafa. And we're going to get into their character arcs a little bit later when it comes to the Best Best Car Award. So let's get to our other cast members that we think are going to be setting up where we're blasting off to next. So Colleen, give us a little bit more about the Mandalorians that they keep sprinkling in. So we keep sprinkling in. They're back. They're returning. Yes, they're back. 
back again. Mando's back. <laughs> Tell a friend. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're back. Yes, they're back. It's a fact. We're so yes, cool. We can back. hardly stand it. I love it. So these three, and they're women, by the way, like, heck yeah, get it, Mando ladies. They are still on mission when Ahsoka decides to blow up factory and pretty much like ruin their mission because they were trying to follow, <laughs> find out where Maul was. But they do succeed in bringing Ahsoka to their side. But that's a come up. That's, yeah, that's a, come a good up. come up, especially since Bo-Katan and Ahsoka were not exactly buddies in any way, shape or form. But we have a really bad feeling about how this partnership is going to end. Next arc is going to be rough, guys. I'm just going to tell you right now. I will probably cry a few times while we're doing the last episodes. <laughs> and we'll talk about like our um, different viewing schedules in Master and Apprentice <laughs> for now, since the Mandalorians maybe have to do with more of what's coming later. Let's take a quick peek at the villains here. Mark Krim. Fife, the Pikes, the Shadow Collective, mm -hmm. all of that is still kind of floating on continuing what we've already seen. But what we haven't seen is our maybe soon to be main man, Maul. Mm -hmm. Yep. Break down that devilish mm -hmm. dish. Yes. <laughs> Damn, yeah. We wanted to look at our dude Maul a bit here. Don't we all? I certainly do. Uh, as it pertains to the running theme of self-realization and maturity, which unfortunately Maul lacks a lot also. A little yeah. hot-headed, just a smidge, a little like Anakin here. Considering that he'll be popping up a lot in the Siege of Mandalore, he is going to be either the main antagonist or at least a maybe not decidedly villain per se in the Siege of Mandalore, but one of Ahsoka's chief antagonists. So yep. we're yep. going to be looking at him a lot. Might as well start our in-depth geeky dive into him right now. Yep, absolutely. I mean, I'm not going to lie, you guys. I'd like to dive into him, but... But we're just limiting her <laughs> to three of the comics now. Yes. So why don't you give us a, a quick summary? We might go into them in deeper detail as we wait for different series to come out. We're not sure what comes, what's going to be in our future. But for now, to get your little beaks wet, what's kind of your short synopsis of Star Wars Darth Maul? Okay, so we had talked about this a little earlier when we were talking about walkabouts and how different species go on different walkabout journeys. And you had brought up how the Sith seem to go on walkabout journeys a lot like they're the master is yeah. always sending the apprentice off to do stuff and maul has several of these walkabout journeys in his life but i'm just gonna cover three for now sarah's gonna rein me in <laughs> which is probably a good idea because i could talk about maul like dissertation level length conversations about maul <laughs> so first we're gonna start with the comic series star wars darth maul the Sith Apprentice journeys to find a worthy adversary, as it's way too early in Palpy's empire plotting for him to let Maul fight real Jedi. So he's just been kind of sent on these little missions to fight yeah. with mercenaries and stuff. Got to level up. He's got to. He's got to yes. do some killing yep. of hogs. He's got to do some grinding in order to actually get to face some real Jedi. Mm -hmm. So this is actually kind of an interesting moment in Maul's life. He comes across a captured Jedi Padawan who is being auctioned off basically to be either hunted or 
whatever people who are out buying Jedi Padawans are going to be doing, he decides to test his skill. But what's really cool is that he's kind of tempted by the light side in this comic series. He wonders what it would be like to train an apprentice, which will come up later when we talk more about Maul and his need slash want of an apprentice. Ultimately, he does end up killing the Padawan, which really sucked because she was a cool character. And he returns to Palpy's controlling side. Then we have probably what most fans would be familiar with for Maul. In The Phantom Menace, Obi-Wan slices him in half and fans assumed that he was dead with hardly (laughs) any screen time to his name. And he had been kind of the main focus of the marketing. So I think people were kind of confused that he was maybe in 20 minutes of the movie and hardly spoke any dialogue whatsoever. However, using his hatred for Obi-Wan and his considerable dark side skill, Maul keeps himself alive after being cut in half. Like, he has no legs, folks, and he keeps himself alive. Those Sith have that skill, though. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. Yep. yep, they're like cockroaches. They're really hard to kill. <laughs> so he ends up going on kind of a dark walk about here where he's trying to survive and move on to his next phase. He ends up stranded on a trash planet. Like great. Like not like not just like trash, like, oh, it's just trash. No, for real, it's a garbage planet. Like this is where people go to dump their shit. That's where Wally is actually yes. filmed. Yes, it looks basically just like Wally. I don't know how Maul survived, but he he did though. But he goes a little crazy. Just a titch. Just a wee smidgen. And only when his brother, Savage Opress, finds him does his psyche start to repair itself because he now has someone he can actually talk to. Besides the little creepy snake guy who was bringing him food. What about the next graphic Mm. comic, Mm -hmm. uh, Son of Dathomir? Yes, this one is excellent. I actually reread this one because it's going to pertain to our next arc. This is where, after Maul was defeated by Palpatine on Mandalore, after Palpatine killed Savage, he is trapped in a Stygian Prime prison by Palpatine. And he's basically used as a pawn by Palpatine to draw out his mother, who is Mother Talzin, a powerful dark side Dathomirian witch. Like, this is his actual mom. It's yeah. not just Mother Talzin. It's his actual mama. Those are good episodes. Yes, this is so fantastic. I love their relationship. It's twisted, of course, because it's small and nothing in his life can be good. So Palpy's plan does eventually work. They do draw out Talzin and kill her, but... Not before she saves Maul's life by sacrificing her own. This arc showed that no matter how much he tried to rise above his perceived station, Maul was always being used by both his actual mother and Palpy, his father figure. Leads to an entirely different kind of personal growth, like way different than Ahsoka's. Like she finally accepts her heroic destiny at the end of her walkabout journey, but Maul stews in his anger and hate and refuses to move past what his parental figures did to him. His growth comes from letting go of the idea that he could make them proud. So, yay, finding out that you can't please everyone, especially your twisted parents. He twists this realization of his and this growth into a power grab. Which leads to the question, have you ever heard the story of Darth Maul the Unwise? (laughs) (laughs) Well, our listeners surely will ask. <laughs> and because apparently things are getting darker and darker, let's get to our third holocron, which will be about cool criminal 
culture. Colleen, can you enlighten us all about the Crimson Dawn? Take us away on a dark magic spaceship (laughs) ride. All right. Yes. Crimson Dawn. Maul's not just name dropping them for no reason. Many fans speculated that Crimson Dawn wasn't organized until after the Clone Wars, but this episode proves that it was up and running by the end of the Clone Wars conflict. And Maul had already kind of woven them in, folded them into his Shadow Collective. Maul threatens the Pikes with Crimson Dawn retribution, which would be pretty scary to the weakened Pikes as Crimson Dawn was known for its brutality. You find out in the movie Solo that they had ripped tongues out of people's mouths to stop them from dissenting. So yeah. Yeah. The Greyjoy method. Yeah. Yeah. These are some scary, some scary dudes. So then once the Shadow Collective dissolved in the wake of Order 66 and the rise of the Empire, Maul reconsolidated his power under Crimson Dawn. And he saw an opening in the criminal underworld and he embraced it. He took this mercenary group, organized them. He still preferred to run things from the shadows, like most likely to keep his whereabouts secret from Palpatine and Vader, which was smart. Yeah. Don't want the Emperor or freaking Anakin Skywalker, now Darth Vader coming after you. So then, like I said before, most of our knowledge of Crimson Dawn comes from the movie Solo, which excellent movie. Please watch it. Gets a lot of bad heat, but it's really good. And the lead antagonist, Dryden Voss who, no relation to Quinlan Boss that we know of, he runs the day-to-day operations from his pleasure yacht. Don't we all, darling? Don't we all? If only. If only we had a pleasure yacht. Mm. So Han Solo, has of course, the movie is called Solo. It's about Han. His love interest, Kira, eventually kills Dryden Boss and assumes control of Crimson Dawn, answering only to Maul. He had this, like, really brief appearance at the end of Solo. It shocked the hell out of people. Yeah. Who hadn't watched Clone Wars or Rebels. Most people who hadn't dipped into the cartoons, the animated series, thought he was dead because Obi-Wan chopped him in half in The Phantom Menace. So half the theater, when I went to this movie to see it, they gasped. Oh, that's fun. Audible gasps because they didn't know that he was alive. That's fun. So it was interesting, the kind of divide between... The people who had seen the animated series and the people who hadn't, like, this was huge. Yeah. And I really hope they make either a solo TV series on Disney Plus or continue with the movies just because then we get more mall. Yeah. Because I want to know what the frick he's doing in between Clone Wars and Rebels. Like, I want to know what's going on. Yeah. Unless it's just like a Kenobi mall reality TV show kind of special, because I'll also Mm -hmm. watch that. (laughs) Oh, yes. I would watch the hell out of that. If they do ever get the Obi-Wan series up and running, I would love if they did like parallel. Yeah. They did a parallel story between him and Maul. I think that would be super interesting. Probably won't get it because can't have what I want, but that's fine. Yeah, we're sending it out into the ether. So like, again, mm-hmm. make it work, Filoni. Make it work. Mm-hmm. Deborah Chow, take my letters, please. <laughs> until until then, let's jump to our fourth holocron, the cool item. Heck yes. This one is really cool. The Comark class fighter, this is the Mandalorian fighter, is seen at the episode's end, flown by Bo-Katan and her crew. This is also known as the Gauntlet Fighter, which sounds way more badass. I Great mean, name. Yeah. You want to call it the Gauntlet. You don't want to be like, my Comer class fighter is coming. No, be like, my Gauntlet. My shippy ship is coming. <laughs> my shippy ship is coming. No, my Gauntlet. My Gauntlet is, is thrown at you. So this fighter was first seen used by the Mandalorian Splinter Group Death Watch, which we've talked about before. Both Bo-Katan and Maul later used these highly maneuverable fighters in battle. And Maul kind of like retrofits his Gauntlet 
red and black because he's matchy matched fucking huge ego so fetch he's like so Mm -hmm. fetch it has to be different it has to be special it can't just be blue and white like the other ones Mm -hmm. it has to scream me so it has to be red and black of course and this was the flagship of his group the shadow collective now when maul called owned the ship he called it the knight brother because technically that is what he was so of course he has to name it after himself also but once it passed to Ezra Bridger in Rebels, the Spectres just called it the Gauntlet. Like, not saying Gauntlet Fighter, they actually named it. So it's pretty cool to think that a ship that caused so much damage to the Republic and Mandalore eventually changed to Rebel hands and assisted in overthrowing Imperial rule on Lothal. So, like, sometimes at the end of episodes, we do little commercials. But right now, I want you to try and pretend that you're a spaceship car sale rep Mm. can you sell us the idea Mm. of buying the gauntlet model either decked out with maul or maybe like okay actually maybe sell it to ahsoka and like traces on the side being her mental muscle or is that like too much pressure (laughs) no i can definitely try it ladies 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 i noticed you noticing this new fighter that we have in stock it's a beaut isn't it she's a beaut Oh, it's a beaut. Last of her kind. You just don't see these things flying around anymore. Look at that body. It's fantastic. Oh, sleek. Yes. Sleek. I mean, yes, you might want the really, really snazzy model, the red and black, which is very unique. Does that cost extra? You would think. Does it have robotic features? Oh, my. So many robotic features. <laughs> very handicapped, accessible ramps and such. If you have spider legs. <laughs> Not even a problem. You can get out yeah. there. Yep. Very versatile. Fast. Sold. Sold. (laughs) Sold. And as we laid that little Easter egg, let's move to our fifth uh, holocron Mm -hmm. on homages and Easter eggs. Colleen, Mm -hmm. take the first five that you kind of spotted and then I'll give us a little dessert chaser on the extra one that I had seen. Perfect. All right, so I had talked about this one before, the Oriandia refueling station. It reminded us of the diner gas station in Mel Brooks's Star Wars spoof Spaceballs. <laughs> and maybe that's where the Clone Wars team got this idea. But it's a good thing John Hurt isn't at the station, or we'd have to watch out for singing alien chest bursters. Yep. Which is not a good look for a gas station that's also trying to serve food. Yeah, you, you, don't, you don't want that when you pull up to a gas station. You don't. You just really don't. And this one I was delighted by because I thought I recognized the voice. So actor Josh Brenner voices the blue tune spice worker guy, the one that Rafa was telling to go get the manager. And you might recognize his voice. He also plays Niku in Star Wars Resistance, who is adorable, kind of annoying, but also just adorable. And he plays Mon Mothma's aide in Rebels. But the actor is probably most well known for his role as Nelson Big Eddie on Silicon Valley. So cool. Right? And like, I love when they utilize the voice actors for more than just yeah. part. There are some voices that I intentionally don't look up the voice actor because I wonder if and how that will change my perception mm-hmm. of the character. So, huh, it's cool, cool, cool. And you don't look it up. See, I'm the one who I'm like, I need to know who that is. It depends. It depends. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, you don't want your opinion to change just because the voice actor might not be who you expect yeah but this guy he kind of looks like the nerdy kind of 
Nebishi oh, character. That's great. So he kind of looks like Niku a little bit from Resistance yeah. and this Toon guy. Speaking of the Toon spice workers, these guys are from the planet Tuned. The most famous one of them is Ben Quadaneros from the Phantom Menace. Do you mean old Ben Quadaneros? Old Ben <laughs> Quadaneros from the planet Tuned. He's the one who couldn't get his pod racer to work. In the beginning of that Ridley, ridiculously long pod race sequence. I know a lot of people think that the Phantom Menace has two good parts and it's the Duel of the Fates and the pod racing scene. And I'm like, Mm-mm. no. Like, drop we didn't watch the same scene. movie, Sir Salty. I'm like, that scene could have been cut by like 10 or 15 minutes and I would have been completely fine. <laughs> so then moving on to our fourth homage Easter egg during the Silver Angels game of chicken. While escaping Obadiah, a familiar theme plays. It's the same riff from when the Millennium Falcon is escaping the Death Star in A New Hope. I love when music is used. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it, I love that it's kind of bringing Han Solo and the Martez sisters closer together as well. Yes. As smugglers, because I mean, I'm pretty sure that the sisters are going to continue doing some sort of it's just a little touch of crime activity. Just a just touch. A smidge. A smidge. Yeah. Not too full on spice runs, but maybe just like moving shit around. Yeah. So then this game of chicken with the pike fighters, like when they're trying to escape, it's also called Hawk Dove game. And whoever flinches loses. And this is where the phrase like looking like chicken comes yeah. from. What are you scared of? Marty McFly, are you chicken? <laughs> like, this is This is the game where that comes from. Since the outcome of this quote-unquote game is either both parties die or are severely injured or one person looks like a coward, we wouldn't mind looking like the chicken. Yeah. It's kind of like those old duels. No one is actually winning. Yeah, no one's winning. You're either a murderer or you die. Like, that's... There's a misfire and you're both a murderer and you die. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, right? Like, oh, dear God. No. So... I was, of course, looking up the game chicken to look for this. I'm like, oh, cool. man, I wonder where that came from. And every time that I looked it up, this popped up, the Cuban Missile Crisis mm. in 1962, where the U.S. and Russia were deadlocked on the presence of nuclear weapons in Cuba. So every time I looked up the game of chicken, this kind of popped up with it. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. It basically was a really deadly game. <laughs> Who can shoot each other with nukes first? Like, eh, this is fine. Truth is stranger than fiction sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, it did open up a formal line of communication between DC and Moscow, but I don't think the Pikes are going to be opening up any lines of communication with the Martez sisters after this. No. And for our last little Easter egg, I totally loved and totally noticed when Trey's Mortal Kombat kicks Lizard Dude in the gut at precisely, in case you want to revisit, minute 14 and 55 seconds, you hear the Jurassic Park Velociraptor sound. So I'm now totally convinced in my head canon theory that worlds collide and Jurassic Park is just like the very premature ancestors of this species. So again, the Trandoshans are raptors. I buy it. Yeah, you can take that Darth Claudius to the bank (laughs) as we get to our sixth holocron, our Darth Claudius, the Siege of Mandalore. I am chomping at the bit. Colleen, walk Mm -hmm. us through this walkabout wind down. Oh, man. We're faced with the end of the series, guys. It's coming. We have four episodes left. 
there will be no Clone Wars after the final arc. Which is when you get to, like, insert Darth Vader yelling, no! <laughs> no! <laughs> I mean, we'll get more Star Wars content, but we're not going to get any more Clone Wars. Yep. And while this is difficult to take in, we must soldier on. Just Ugh, not brave. soldier on to Order 66 like most of the clones do. Oh, too soon? Not soon enough? <laughs> Timelines <Really>? merge. <laughs> They're merging right now. It's just devastating. Even though... We don't know how things look, are going to shake out with Rex's and, and his inhibitor chip. We do know that he removes it. We still don't know when he does it. Is he able to fight off the order? Like, does Ahsoka remove it when they're on Mandalore? I mean, they're together when it happens. Yep. Because we know this from her novel that they're together on Mandalore when it happens. But he would be the first canon clone to fight the order. So cool. If this is indeed what happens like if he is the first and the only one that's alarming because out of the millions of clones there are that only one is able to fight this like <laughs> not good odds not no. good odds no and it, it would be really cool to know that at least one of them does fight it but it also makes the other clones look so much weaker like cody was super super incredibly close to obi-wan the clones who are with Dippa Balaba and Caleb Doom. <laughs> what a name. Sorry. Sorry. Like when, when what Dippa was Balaba. <laughs> She's amazing too. Oh I fucking love goodness. her. She's fantastic. So she is Caleb Doom's master. Again, great name. I've had one at this time. Caleb Doom is another fantastic name. <laughs> In the comics, the clones who are with them, like, worship her. They mm. love her. And they love teasing Caleb. Like, they're connected. So thinking that only Rex and possibly Wolf and Gregor, who are in Rebels as well, could fight the Order makes things so much sadder. But no one can be happy in Star Wars. So there we have it. Womp womp. And just kind of a quick tip of the hat to our seventh holocron, Defenders of Droids. The Tong workers are mostly seen working in the Spice facilities. And the one on Trandoshan Major? Manager. It is called. Oh, okay. I was like, wait. On, no, no, no. So the Tong workers are mostly seen working in the space facilities and the one Trandoshan manager. I just mm -hmm. can't read. And in honor of Maul, we've been enjoying Bloody Marys. So tip, <laughs> tip of the hat to you all today, my darling. Mm -hmm. Our drinks are red, just like his glorious skin. And... We are celebrating for once that there really aren't any droids to defend here, which gives us the great feeling we need mm -hmm. to head into the I've got a bad feeling about this critics corner. Mm -hmm. So Colleen, hit us with our first critics corner critique in the kind of macro. Yep. Well, let all the anxious fans breathe sighs of relief that this arc is finally over. Oh, phew. <laughs> right. So finally the fans were happy or kind of happy with an episode from this arc. Is it because the arc is over and they can look forward to the siege? Maybe. We, however, were really happy with the arc overall and what yep. it did to move Ahsoka's story forward. She learns that she needs people to fight for. She's just not complete without a mission. She says in the episode, quote, while I'm here, might as well do some good. Yeah, while the arc is here, it might as well do some good. <laughs> exactly. The good is getting us to our macro. Our next one is that there are powerful, resourceful 
women. Heck yes, these ladies only needed each other to escape from the pikes. That's amazing. It was great to see them use their wits and teamwork to get away. Like in Clone Wars and Rebels, really paved the way for our powerful female characters besides Leia. Like we really only had Leia in the original trilogy. So I guess, I guess in a way, we're critiquing having a bad mm. feeling about this episode mm-hmm. because we're having great yep. feelings about yes, we are. this. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the Bloody Marys, <laughs> the upcoming mall, we just <laughs> yeah, cheers. we're in a good mood, you guys. We're in a great mood today. And like, I mean, there's other powerful women in the Star Wars universe too. We have Rey now. We have Rose in the sequels. Padme a little bit in the prequels. But Clone Wars and Rebels gave us this real female presence that was missing. We get Ahsoka, yep. Ventress, Padme actually acting like a badass that she is. Other female Jedi, yep. like your favorite new name character, Dippa yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And now we have the Martez sisters. Like there's so many fantastic lady characters for younger viewers to look up to. And us too. Because to return to like a micro aspect that does kind of get at this critique that we keep returning to, refining, probing, and just kind of having a thought to think on... <laughs> There's always that tug and pull in writing and enjoying this this fandom where this, the ending is quote unquote known. How much do we give that becomes too much? How much character plot development is too quick? Because some people may have said, whoa, whoa, whoa. After whether or not we felt like some of last episode was belabored mm-hmm. in us ending up at the same plot point, <laughs> same jail cell in the arc, mm-hmm. if you will. Here, some people may think, wait a second, did Rafa and Trace forgive Ahsoka mm-hmm. too quickly? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's our micro for this week. Like, was this kind of like Bad Batch where everything with Echo seemed to get wrapped up really quickly? Like, there wasn't enough pushback against him this ending did feel a little bit rushed not enough emotional repercussions for what happened with the reveal i mean i thought we might get a little more discussion argument or drama from this reveal but once they were back in coruscant the sisters let the bad faith go really quickly like right away you know if we spent too long on it people would be distressed diamond and pace are really so so critical yep darned if you do darned if you don't we're glad that they darn did (laughs) like trace kept saying ahsoka should have told her rafa was shocked they came together quickly while escaping so there was a little bit of the character dynamic back and forth about who should be forgiven for this we don't have time right now because we're trying to fucking escape we can't have this argument right now yep so instead of fighting they turned into a team like really quickly on the silver angel trace piloting ahsoka shooting rafa washing for the incoming fighters like they gelled really quickly yeah and i think i think it really culminated in in the kind of classic star wars comedy that's that i think is so essential and is one of the keystones that when it's absent quote-unquote true fans or just general fans however you want to caveat the the fan of the fandom right you kind of need that extra comedy, the idea of the three of them fighting while there are horrible, <laughs> like they're about they to die. die. <laughs> yeah. And and the the moment of them saying collectively, you can do that, you can leave the order. <laughs> it's so it's so precious and it's this meta critique that both mm-hmm. characters in universe and people 
in the outside universe? Mm -hmm. That's the essential question. Mm -hmm. What (laughs) does it mean to be a Jedi Knight? Mm -hmm. And like shouts to George R.R. Martin for always pressing like the truest knight is the mm-hmm. hedge knight who's not actually a knight right nor the woman who's not a knight yeah i love how this plays out in a different way probing a different aspect of mm-hmm. it through ahsoka's relationship oh, to yeah. who she is and who she wants to be mm-hmm. yes i did love that part when they both in unison said you can do that i I've been listening nonstop to Hamilton recently, and I got the big King George the Third vibes, where he's like, "I wasn't aware that was something a person could do." Like, oh, bravissimo! Like, for sure. And I'm sure that there might be some listeners, and even yourself, Colleen. I still haven't gone to see it. Mm. I am so behind. That's okay. Just listen to the soundtrack. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> so instead of plugging Rebels ad nauseum for this episode we are going to plug hamilton go see and or listen to (laughs) hamilton (laughs) and so i think what's going to continue to resonate with fans is trace and rafa and us and ahsoka and frankly everyone who has the power to be a jedi and again We all have Rafa-like influence power. We just have to figure out how we want to use it as us mere mortal, muggle, non-Jedi people can do when they say, how could, why would anyone walk away from the Mm -hmm. Jedi? Mm -hmm. You might not think of yourself as a Jedi, but you act like one, Mm -hmm. or at least how I want them Mm -hmm. to be. And I think this is a great place for us to pivot as we're locking up this arc to look at who won the episode our best best car all right so we're gonna start with the outer rim as usual i wanted to give it to whoever is lighting ahsoka's face because yeah damn who's doing that which artist was in charge of that name thyself because she looked dynamite <laughs> this entire episode i um looked at the credits mm-hmm. so we're guessing probably the biggest props go to the director of cinematographic lighting joel aaron hopefully i've said your name right joel <laughs> and lighting and fx supervisor gianni aliotti with early praise to senior color key artist jason bosch mm. again hopefully i'm saying this right and if not come on to the pod and correct <laughs> us and tell us all about what you do because ultimately it's a team flipping effort mm-hmm. and we would love to hear from these people about their creative processes because fun fact the credits for disney plus always cut you off Mm -hmm. like from a consumer i love this Mm -hmm. but from someone who also likes to see who was involved with what i found it really interesting this is the first time i frankly bothered to look at this the credits for the episode were 39 seconds long Mm -hmm. and after the star wars anthem credits roll they re-roll in silence several different times in different languages Mm -hmm. it's really cool which i thought was really interesting Mm -hmm. i don't know if that's just a clone wars thing or not i have no idea if Mm -hmm. anyone knows 
send us an email at bohemiangeekstudies at gmail.com. Yes. Colleen, who did we end up giving mm. the best best car award to for the mm. core key characters of the episode? So we never thought we'd be awarding best 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 car to this person, but Rafa Martez. Yeah, we'll give today. It to Our her. girl showed up this episode. She was fantastic. She understands Ahsoka's plan immediately. Yep. yep. And really going against her character type, decides to go back and rescue her. Yeah. Like, get it, girl. She fights the Trandoshan manager in hand-to-hand combat, which is hard for Wookiees to do, let alone a human woman. Like, damn. I loved when she told Trace, like, we are unequivocally going back. I can't even tell you how really like i actually heard music swell (laughs) when that happened Mm -hmm. like i wanted it i needed it yes Mm -hmm. i loved that decision Mm -hmm. it it really was a beautiful way to show the arc of what happens when someone who doesn't trust for good reason Mm -hmm. learns to trust for good reason that felt sexy Mm -hmm. af to me it's like she was just waiting for somebody to prove that they were worthy of her trust. Yep. And but for that trust and but for that thematic character arc growth, Ahsoka would have been trucked mm-hmm. and Trace and Rafa, I'm pretty sure, would ultimately have been trucked. Mm-hmm. So good, good work, Rafa Martez, mm-hmm. for making sure that the plan could go down and for still keeping Trace, your little sis, yes. and like your keystone safe throughout it all mm-hmm. yes it was fantastic like you had said when the martez sisters and ahsoka stopped that kind of lateral horizontal fighting yeah each other like look what happened they came together as a team and so i think because rafa earns best pest car for her kind of character growth and from learning from a pseudo jedi master pseudo jedi apprentice This is a great place for us to move to our next segment, the Master and Apprentice section. I guess. So usually for this section, we answer a direct question either I have or fans have, or hey, even if Colleen Master and All has a question, but instead for this episode arc, we're kind of doing more of a master apprentice musing, setting up a kind of what if scenario for a little tinfoil, as well as what we're excited to be going into in the next arc and providing you, dear listeners, with a peek behind the scenes. And Mm -hmm. so kind of my first little thing that I just wanted to do a little head scratcher on in light of how much you have consumed and written from a storytelling perspective, I was really curious. I'm curious as to what could have happened when we're looking at when the Pikes have possession of Ahsoka and they're wondering, they didn't even really wonder what should we do with her. They're just kind of like queen of hearts off with her head. I was wondering, okay, let's imagine the Pikes were like, oh, this is a powerful person involved in the Jedi council. Maybe we'll use her. Like what would Anakin and or what would the Jedi council have thought or think of, 
holy holy fork our padawan has broken off and is somehow in like drug planet you know how absurd yes. would that holo call have gone <laughs> the pikes think that their reputation like this is again a great example of when people are scared and do crazy things thinking that they're in the right trying to save themselves like mm -hmm. king pike over here thinks that his reputation is about to be restored he has no idea what's going on did i enjoy too much spice <laughs> when watching this episode or like what I don't know. Did you have any kind of like, uh, for a moment watching this scene, what could have happened if the Pikes had made a different I decision? I think it would have been an moment? interesting call for sure. Like if they were not panicked about everything, they probably would have made this a hostage negotiation situation or at least let them know that they had her yeah i was kind of surprised it didn't do that and therefore would like you had said like maybe stop interfering although the jedi aren't interfering in the damn spice trade too much as it is but to get like complete control and have the jedi not touch them yeah. at all because they had this valuable captive that would have been cool to see i think anakin would have fucking lost his shit immediately and taken oh, yeah. off for obadia without any advice from the council and yoda would have been like hmm padawan she no longer is he does that a few times like on it on the desert in the like jedi mm -hmm. cathedral like what's another pike planet right. or two like it's just it's just the appetizer for the main yeah, vader exactly. <laughs> i think they just were panicking so much and they thought oh we'll have a body to give maul like here's the body i think that was the one thing they were thinking that's a good point okay that's a good point it just didn't mm -hmm. really, it seemed like such a poor Panic. offering, but I guess that's just, mm -hmm. I mean, it was a route not explored for darn good reason, I suppose. And if what Pike had told Maul was true, if his shipments on Coruscant had been waylaid by Jedi, then he's probably pissed. And this is just a reaction yeah. of, oh, I have to show my men that I can be ruthless when I have to be. Because his men are probably sitting there like, she looks like she's 12, y'all. And, she, yeah. and she's been messing with us this entire time. <laughs> yeah. Not it, very Dolores Umbridge reporting for duty. Mm -hmm. Things are not going well, Cornelius, mm -hmm. but I'm trying my mm -hmm. best. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so just to kind of peek behind the scenes for our, my second question mm -hmm. is pretty much like, how excited should we be for the next arc? To peek behind the scenes, I'm trying to be a very good Padawan as an avatar for you, dear listener, who might come to come to us like completely fresh. Like, I'm just enjoying this. I don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to be very good about spoilers so that we are very respectful. And so I'm driving my husband crazy <laughs> that unless and until Colleen and I have drafted out a script for an episode, I don't spoil by looking at future episodes. So like, I don't want to spoil it too much for future watchers <laughs> without saying much Colleen, like 
how stoked should we be? How many Bloody Marys should we be mm. prepping and have rest in the fridge for when you're diving in? I think we should be psyched as hell. <laughs> I've seen both of the new episodes, the first two in the Siege of Mandalore arc, and I can say that it is cinematic. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Every part of it has been like painstakingly attention to detail. Yeah. I might have a few questions for some continuity things, but I'm sure that they would have an answer for me if I actually was like, hmm, what's happening here? Yeah. We'll, we'll cover that. We're going to go over a lot of material like from the Ahsoka novel because there's some interesting canon breaks because the novel is considered canon. Yeah. And there's some things in there where I'm like, but you just kind of contradicted that in these episodes. Oh, I'm so excited that we'll be parsing that. So like mm -hmm. for, for you, dear listener, as that kind of behind the scenes look, we're going to parse those things out for you. That's the benefit of having a noob like me who's like, what does this all mean? And Colleen, who's like, ah, I have a memory of a pensive and can pull <laughs> things out. I'm just like, let me rewatch something before I write cleverly about it. So I guess I don't want to belabor it too much, Colleen. Would you suggest, I anticipate some of our listeners might just want to like binge watch all the way through, maybe want to watch and listen to the episodes like one by one, mm -hmm. or trying to do it in a package arc deal. Again, you haven't gotten to see all four of them no. yet. Mm -hmm. They just don't exist yet. But at the time mm -hmm. of recording, not necessarily at the time of publication of this episode, mm -hmm. we are currently at episode 10 being released right Colleen yes and I would think we won't be covering anything that bleeds over from another episode yeah so our next one will be episode 9 we won't go over anything that we may have seen from especially me because I have been watching won't go over anything that we saw in episode 10 yep and when we're recording episode 10 I won't go over anything we've seen in episode 11 yeah we want to so, keep yes. this a purist thing mm -hmm. for you guys so that wherever yes. you guys are on your listening watching experience you're going to get those extra easter egg nuggets mm -hmm. and detailed dorky dives throughout the whole experience yeah. and so to kind of end things before i watched episode nine like literally right before we recorded this i posed as a question for colleen for the master and apprentice section today yo mm -hmm. wait did ahsoka's face markings change something looks different here we really want to dig into this but we're going mm -hmm. to save this question for our probably our very next recording mm -hmm. we just wanted you to if you didn't notice it already to pay attention to her facial markings on either your rewatch of episode eight or certainly before you tune into episode nine because we expect it to mean something. Colleen, anything else you wanted to add to that kind of point before we sign off? I did want to add that little tinfoily kind of thing. Ah, yes, yes, please a do. A little bit of tinfoil. Just a crinkle. I mean, because there have been, we've been talking about this a lot, about detractors who either didn't care for the Bad Batch episodes because it was about clones didn't care for the Ahsoka walkabout episode because it was slow and introduced characters that we don't care about. But we think Dave Filoni's fucking genius. Yeah. 
And <laughs> these first two arcs are going to dovetail directly with the end of the series. It's like, master weaving. Yes, for real. Like, will we be seeing the Bad Batch pick up Rex after escaping, hopefully escaping Mandalore? Will they show up on Mandalore and take him home? Like, we don't know. It would be super awesome, though, if the Bad Batch came back after being introduced in the beginning of the season. I feel like I keep hearing Vanilla Ice is like, yo, we don't know. (laughs) We don't. don't I really feel like that has been like a theme within a theme. (laughs) Yep, for real. Yeah, at this point, we really don't know. Like, this is not in any other material. It's not in any comics material. It is kind of vaguely hinted at in the Ahsoka novel, but we still don't know the details. She might hook up with Trace and Rafa after she escapes Mandalore in order to either go get her speeder bike or some sort of assistance. Like, she might call them to come help her if she's stranded somewhere. I, I just think that like we talked about earlier, that Chekhov speeder, she left yep. it there for a reason. And I cannot wait mm-hmm. to see if, how, and most likely when those threads come together. So, dear, dear listener, join us again next week to geek out together about Clone Wars Season 7, Episode 9. The beginning of the Siege of Mandalore, the final arc in this series. Until then, keep letting other awesome geeks who love exploring Star Wars know about BGS (laughs) and know that they can find us wherever they enjoy their podcasts. Send us questions you want answered during the Master and Apprentice section by emailing us at bohemiangeekstudies at gmail.com. Mm. Following and reaching out to us on Twitter at Geek Studies and Instagram again, Bohemian Geek Studies. Just keep getting deeper involved in our shared geeky community and a galaxy close, close, close to your ears and hearts. Colleen, mm. take us away. Thanks so much, everyone. Sabers up and keep those episodes streaming as the tears stream down my face from listening to Sarah's (laughs) amazing (laughs) Catherine Hepburn-esque accent. (laughs) Star Wars. This is on Star Wars, specifically Clone Wars, season seven. Star Wars, this is on Star Wars, specifically Clone Wars, episode eight. That was some show you put on just now. Just doing our job, Captain. <laughs> <laughs>